Hello, everyone, and welcome to the thrilling adventures of Superman, a podcast where Superman still stands for truth, justice, and the American way. My name is Michael Bradley, and this is episode 85. This time, the focus of the show is going to be a little bit different, as we will be giving a listen to an appearance that Jerry Siegel made on the Fred Allen Show, which was a humor and variety program that was pretty popular back in the 1940s, as well as a quirky little skit wherein comics publisher Harry Donenfeld gets a visit from Superman himself. It's a bit of a deviation from our normal format, but because of how the dates lined up, it just seemed uh, a better fit to give this its own episode. And we'll be talking more on those things in just a minute, though, because first there are a couple bits of feedback to go through. First is a comment from Robert who commented on episode 80 on the website. Uh, That was an episode where I looked at a rather lengthy storyline from the radio show and posed the question if, in future episodes, where there are longer storylines, if you'd like to have me cover it all in one episode or, or split it in two to keep the episode shorter. And in his comment, Robert wrote, I have been listening to all your podcasts, so while I might not be the best to answer, I personally prefer one big episode. I listen on my iPod, and while I would like to listen to as many as possible in one sitting, I always turn off and finish a podcast later. I don't remember how long between the wait for episodes during those last Legends of the Batman episodes, but I think that waiting too long would drive me crazy. And thanks for the uh, comments, Robert. If you listen to all the shows I do, then I would say you are uh, among those that are perfect to, to answer the question, because... You know how I podcast. So. Uh, but I also got an email from Charlie Niemeyer in response to episode 81, where I, again, posed the question. And Charlie wrote, First of all, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you didn't like Action Comics number 30. I can't imagine why. I think it would have been worse if it wasn't for Jack Burnley's art, but even that couldn't have saved it. As for episode length on when you cover the radio episodes, as a listener, I don't mind the long episodes. They make my workday seem shorter, and I get more bang for my buck. Which is really cool, since the shows are free. On the other hand, as a fellow podcaster myself, I realize that when you have to cover these 12 and 16 episode stories, or even longer in some instances, it can be a lot of work and really take a large chunk of time, especially since you don't have anyone helping you with them anymore. So I think it would be better for you and for us if you break them up into multiple episodes. Just my opinion. Anyway, I'm loving the show and can't wait for the next one. Charlie. And thanks, Charlie. As I said in episode 81, I didn't hate the story in Action Comics number 30 until I got to the end. The reveal that what's-her-name wasn't really what's-her-name was just completely ridiculous in light of everything else that went on in the story. If you can somehow ignore that reveal at the end, it's a pretty fun story for the most part. I mean, there are many goofy elements about it, but a lot of those could just be contributed to Golden Age storytelling, and I'm willing to overlook those when I'm, when I'm judging the story, because, you know, you want to, you want to judge it in context of when it was printed, and not judge it by modern day storytelling. But yes, the art is very awesome. And thanks for the other comments, too. Uh, There will come storylines where I'll simply have to split it up, but Since the feedback so far seems 50-50, we'll see how it goes. Um, My schedule and energy level are are factors, too. I recently switched positions at work, and that's 
cut into my podcasting time as I have a commute now, but uh, we'll see how it goes. So, folks, keep writing in and let me know what you think. Like I said, the the vote seems split 50-50 now, so uh, do you want me to uh, keep storylines to one long episode when there are you know, more, uh, more installments, or split the longer stories into two episodes? But thanks to Robert and Charlie for the comments. I look forward to hearing from the rest of you. Uh, right now, it's time for a promo, and then we'll come back for the meat of the episode. In the decade of the 1970s and 80s, not even the great city of Metropolis could be spared the ravages of an energy crisis, supercriminal attacks, or disco. The job of protecting the city fell to Superman, whose battle for truth, justice, and the American way made him a symbol of hope for the city of Metropolis. Charlie Niemeyer in association with the Superman Podcast Network, presents Superman in the Bronze Age. Superman in the Bronze Age is a bi-weekly podcast highlighting the Bronze Age adventures of the Man of Steel in various comic titles. Follow along at www.supermanandthebronzeage.com So I feel really bad right now because I neglected to mention that Charlie is host of Superman in the Bronze Age. But I would assume that most people listening to the show probably already know that since he's been on the show several times and was on quite frequently back when I started the radio episodes. So be sure to check out uh, Superman in the Bronze Age, which you should have just heard a promo for, um, unless you're, like, TiVoing the show and skipping over the promos, in which case, bad podcast listener. Bad. But anyway, uh, check out Charlie's show. He should have just had a new episode out within the last few days, or will have one out in the next few days as we go forward here. I, his schedule is a little different than mine, and plus this is the second episode of the week for this show, so it's throwing it off even more, and I'm confused as to when the dates are lining up. But anyway, go check out Superman in the Bronze Age, because there's even if there's not a new episode out as you go there, there's lots of back episodes that are very awesome to listen to. Um, so to move on to the meat of this episode, what this is is actually two separate recordings that were spliced together into one file. As I understand it, these two things were put together on a record that was then issued to promote the radio show, though I've not found absolute confirmation of that. The first portion is a recording of a guest appearance made by Superman co-creator Jerry Siegel on The Fred Allen Show, which was a humor and comedy and, and variety show hosted by Fred Allen. It had a few different names over the years, often changing based on who was sponsoring the show at the time, but at this point it was actually operating under the name of The Fred Allen Show. Allen was a pretty well-known comedian who was 
popular for his satirical and sharp-witted style of humor. And he also had a long-running but scripted feud with fellow comedian and, and radio host Jack Benny. Uh, Alan would often have guests on the show and, and riff off them a little bit. And in the October 9, 1940 episode, Jerry Siegel appeared. Unfortunately, the rest of the episode is not believed to exist anymore, but thanks to the fact that the Siegel clip was, it seems, saved for use in promoting the Superman radio show, they seem to have saved a rare treat. The female voice heard in the clip is Portland Hoffa, who was Fred Allen's second banana on the show and wife in real life. On the show, she played the the Gracie Allen to his George Burns, for lack of better comparison. The second half of the recording is a skit that was intended to be played at a convention of the independent magazine Wholesalers of the South, which I believe was tied in with Harry Donenfeld's Independent News, the company that distributed DC publications back in the day. And it may, for all I know, it may have even been the exact same company, just referred to as a different name. Donenfeld had so many shell companies and attempts to avoid paying taxes that I've never quite made sense of it all. In any event, it's a neat clip as Donenfeld himself meets Superman. I'm reasonably certain that the Donenfeld clip is actually from a couple years after the Siegel interview. I'm going to go ahead and... and talk about them both in this episode, though, because they are so often passed around in the same file. Because of the nature of these clips, doing a synopsis just won't really do them justice. So I'm going to give you a treat and just play both clips in their entirety, and then I'll come back with just a few comments afterwards. Audio recordings of either Jerry Siegel or Joe Schuster from this period are very, very few in number and hard to find, so... Please enjoy this rare treat. Presenting America's number one comic strip character. Look at the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, young America's stalwart idol whose astounding exploits are responsible for the unprecedented monthly sale of 800,000 copies of Action Comics magazine and over a million and a quarter copies of Superman magazine. Hailed from Maine to California as the hero of the hour, Superman appears in 248 daily and Sunday newspapers, is on the air three times a week, has been licensed to manufacturers of dolls, games, Play suits, raincoats, jigsaw puzzles, chewing gum, candy, balloons, and a host of other products. And beginning in January 1941, will appear in a series of Paramount animated cartoons to be released monthly in 4,000 motion picture theaters throughout the United States. Young America waits anxiously for each new issue of Action Comics and Superman to hit the newsstand. Hey, listen! A new Action Comics just come out, and boy, has it got swell adventure of Superman in it! Parents approve of Superman because he makes no use of guns or other weapons, but fights a never-ending battle against crime and oppression. His motto, strength, courage... 
justice. Over 100,000 boys and girls in the United States and Canada are members of the Supermen of America, a club dedicated to Americanism. One mother says... My boy is eight and can't seem to get enough of Superman. I should like to thank the publishers of Action Comics magazine for including a health page in every issue. Billy has been eating his cereal and drinking his milk regularly since Superman told him to do so. And finally, recognition for Superman from some of the most famous radio programs on the air. Bob Hope, Eddie Cantor, Kay Kaiser, and last but far from least, the inimitable Fred Allen. Listen. Who is the most popular comic strip character in the newspapers today? I give up. It's Superman. You mean our guest tonight is Superman? No, not (laughs) Superman. Our guest tonight is the man who originated Superman. He has written all of Superman's exploits since this idol of millions made his first public appearance. He's Mr. Jerry Siegel. Good evening, Mr. Siegel. Good evening, Fred. So you are the man behind Superman, Mr. Siegel. Uh, No, I'm just one of the men, Fred. I write the situations and the dialogue, and the strip is drawn by my collaborator, Joe Schuster. Well, you seem uh, seem rather young to be the instigator of this highly successful feature, Mr. Siegel. How old are you? Twenty-five. And how long have you and Mr. Schuster been working on your high-voltage Robin Hood? We started about eight years ago, but Superman has been in print only the past two years. Well, what caused the delay? Cirrhosis of the batteries? <laughs> no, Fred. It took us six years to sell Superman. Uh-huh. He was turned down by almost every comic editor in the country. Well, they laughed at Fulton with his steamboat, you know. <laughs> I guess around your home, Superman was known as Siegel's Folly. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, where did your strip first appear? In May 1938, Superman came out in a magazine called Action Comics. Was he well received? The strip attracted so much attention that the publishers decided to give Superman his own magazine. And his popularity increased then by leaps and bounds. Yes, Fred. Today, Superman is in 218 newspapers, reaching 20 million people. He's in magazines, on the radio, and now he is going to appear in Paramount Shorts. Well, who, just who is Superman supposed to be, Mr. Siegel? He isn't old Frank Merriwell with a dynamo in his union suit, is he? (laughs) Uh, No, Fred. Superman is a super being who came from the planet Krypton. He uses his tremendous powers to fight evil and injustice. He can do about anything, can't he? Uh, Superman can run faster than a bullet travels. He can lift an ocean liner out of the water. And uh, he can even stop a train with his bare hands. Can he open a Pullman window? Uh, Easily, Fred. What a man. I noticed that Superman is always benefiting humanity. Yes, Fred. He saves people from floods, stops wars... And he's always breaking up primary. Well, fortunately, Superman only exists in your imagination, Mr. Siegel. If he stamped out all of our crime, J. Edgar Hoover would be reduced to playing bits on gangbusters. 
Uh, tell me, how far ahead do you have to write your strips? I usually keep three months in advance. Oh, you're so afraid of your syndicated Frankenstein? Uh, no, it's Mr. Ellsworth, the editor, and my wife. They get after me. They do, huh? Mm-hmm. Why don't you get Superman after that? <laughs> well, it must be a wonderful... It must be a wonderful feeling, Mr. Siegel. Twenty million people waiting with bated breaths to see if Superman is going to pull up the Holland Tunnel and blow the peristere through it for a spitball. <laughs> and, you, and you are the only... It's Mr. Holland. Thank you a lot, Mr. <laughs> Every time we plug the tunnel, Mr. Holland claps. You know, it's very nice of you. And uh, you are the only man in America who knows what's going to happen. I don't feel any different, Fred. Oh, you're just being modest, Mr. Siegel. After all, you dominate a muscular marble with a dual personality. When Superman isn't Superman, he's he's merely disguised as a reporter, isn't he? Uh, yes, he's Clark Kent, a meek little chap with glasses. When Clark has to perform a miracle, he switches to that uh, Superman harness. Yes, he wears athletic tights and a long cloak. Well, what I can't figure out is this, Mr. Siegel. Now, how does he change his clothes so fast? Well, after all, he's Superman, Fred. (laughs) I wouldn't care if he was Gypsy Rose Weinstein. Nobody can get into that long underwear ensemble in less than five minutes. Now, how does Superman do it? Uh, confidentially, Fred, he wears his outfit under his business suit. Oh, when he's Clark Kent, he has those streamlined bell brigands on underneath. Is that it? Right. He's always ready for action. Well, if he wears woolen underwear all the year round, he sure gets action. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you a lot, Mr. Siegel. I've certainly enjoyed this opportunity to get the lowdown on Superman. It's always a pleasure to talk about my protege, friend. Say, confidentially, if your jumbo Peter Pan can use a part-time job, I have a little chore coming up around the first of the year. Superman is good at lifting things, isn't he? Uh, Yes, Fred. Uh, Do you want him to pick up something? Yes. Uh, My option. I'm afraid that's the one thing that even Superman can't do. I get it. Uh, Good night, Fred. Good night, and thank you, Mr. Jerry Siegel. And now it gives me great pleasure to present to this convention the man who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a high-powered bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, Superman, who walks around among ordinary mortals, disguised as mild-mannered Clark Kent. And here he is, Clark Kent. Hello, everybody. I just want you to know that I consider it a rare privilege to say a few words of greeting to the members of the Independent Magazine Wholesalers Association of the South. But I should like to take this opportunity to change to Superman. In behalf of my publishers, publishers of Action and Detective Comics magazines, I want to welcome you to this independent news company meeting. May I also say that I'm very happy to be here with wait you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got something to say here. Say, who are you? Who am I? Do you ask who I am? That's what I said. Who are you? Why, I'm Harry Donenfeld, your boss. My boss? Huh. I never even heard of you. You've never heard of me? No. Why, you... Look... I took you off a drawing board and made a man out of you. I splashed your name from coast to coast. I put you in magazines, on the radio, and in newspapers. 
I just compared the Ramos to put you on the screen. And you never heard of me. Step aside, Superman, while I say a few words of greeting to Curly Sandoval and Ruth Wiener and the rest of my friends here. Superman doesn't step aside for anyone. Say, I think what you need is a little trip up in the air. Come on. Hey, ouch! Let me go! Let me go! Sorry, you need to be calmed down. So up we go. Up, up. Hey, take me down! Take me down, <laughs> Superman! How do you like it up here a thousand feet in the air? I don't like it. I got a weak stomach, and any minute I'm going to lose it. Please take me down. Okay, here we go. Here we are. Oh, where are we? Where am I? Why, we're back at the Independent News Company meeting. Oh, thank God. Now look, Superman, let's be friends. No more tricks, please. Okay, we'll be friends. And just to prove that I am your friend, I'll fly you back to New York when the convention is over. That's what you think. For my money, an airplane is fast enough. <laughs> look at Harry run. Well, goodbye and good luck. In the opening spiel, the announcer mentions that Action Comics is selling 800,000 copies a month, and Superman is selling one, one and a quarter million copies a month. If you compare that to the Look Magazine article from earlier in the year, which I talked about in episode 40, those numbers were given as 600,000 and 1 million, respectively. Again, there's the caveat of how precise those numbers are, but still you can tell Superman's on the upswing when his numbers go up by 30% in just nine months or so. They also say he's appearing in 248 newspapers, which is a big number, but I would have guessed it to be higher. On the other hand, the Daily Strip hasn't even been around two years yet, so maybe I'm, I'm overestimating it just a bit. But still, 248 papers out of what was then 48 states is quite a bit of coverage. A bigger indicator of Superman's growing popularity might be that they say 100,000 kids are members of the Superman of America Club, which is double what they said in the Look Magazine article. That's just a huge number. I mean, forget a million copies a month. A comic breaking 100,000 copies a month is rare today. And here, the club alone has that many members, which is just unbelievable. The announcer also mentions what would become the Fleischer cartoons. And this might have been the first place, or one of the first places that the public at large would have gotten wind about those cartoons, as there certainly hasn't been any mention in the comics yet. From what I understand, Paramount had signed the deal by this point, but the Fleischer Studios didn't get involved until the spring of 1941, which is interesting because the announcer here says that the cartoons will begin appearing in theaters in January 1941, when in actuality the first one didn't come out until September. So I'm going to have to look into this some more before we get there, and I wonder if Paramount didn't originally intend on producing them themselves, or maybe if they had another studio lined up before approaching the Fleischer Brothers. I did get a laugh, though, out of the comment that parents approve the Superman because he makes no use of guns or other weapons. 
No, he just orders people to commit their thugs to commit suicide. That's all. Superman is awesome. Um, <laughs> not much to say about the Siegel interview itself. I'm sure that their conversation was at least somewhat scripted, as these things tend to be. It's just really interesting hearing Siegel talk about the character before he became the, you know, disenfranchised and jaded due to the treatment that he and Joe Schuster endured later on. And speaking of, I wish I knew why Joe Schuster wasn't a part of the interview. It would have been so great hearing them both talk about Superman on the show, but oh well. You'll notice, though, that when Siegel is talking about Superman's first appearance, he says the issue first came out in May. I talked in the show's very first episode that Mike's Amazing World lists the on-sale date as May 3rd, 1938, but that papers involved in the legal proceedings between the Siegel and Schuster estate and, or states and the Warner Brothers says April 18th. This is one of those things that makes me think the May date is closer to being correct, which kind of calls into question how the legal proceedings can get away with being April 18, or with using April 18, when that's probably not factually correct. It's just all very confusing to me. Uh, But moving on, as an FYI, there's a reference to Frank Merriwell, who was a juvenile adventure character that preceded Superman by several years. He didn't have a costume or, or special powers or anything. He just went around solving mysteries and righting wrongs. He started out in prose, uh, art, or prose stories pr- uh, printed in magazines, and then he had a very, very short-lived radio show and even a serial, all before Superman debuted. I don't know if he ever had a newspaper strip, but it's quite possible. The Pullman window joke is going to get directly referenced down the road in Action Comics number 50. Superman runs alongside a train trying to chase down someone who's inside, and he grabs the side of the Pullman car and opens the window as the narration says, Climbing to the side of the train, Superman performs an amazing stunt. He opens a Pullman window. And even Fred Allen is name-checked as Superman says that Allen would get a kick out of it. And I'll be sure to scan that particular panel and stick it in the show notes, because it'll it'll actually be a while before we get to that story on the show. Um, it's also important to note that when Siegel mentions his wife keeping him, you know, keeping after him to get stories done, that he's talking about his first wife, Bella, uh, because Jerry and Joanne didn't get married until 1948. Um, there was one joke from Alan that I didn't quite get. He asks how Superman changes so fast, and Siegel replies, Well, after all, he's Superman. And then Alan makes a joke about Gypsy Rose Weinstein. I googled it, but couldn't bring up any information about a person or character using that name. There was a burlesque dancer around this time by the name of Gypsy Rose Lee, so that might have been a slightly more family-friendly reference to her. I don't know. Sometimes, as I've said before, sometimes the uh, pop culture references from 1940 kind of get lost on us modern readers because we're just not familiar with some of the lesser-known pop culture of the time. Uh, But not much else to say about that portion. It's just really great and a really neat treat hearing Jerry Siegel himself relate Superman's origin 
and describe the character and, and talk of the secret identity and costume and, and the abilities when he's still young and enthusiastic about it and it's not followed up on by all the, the negativity that followed in his and Schuster's lives, unfortunately. And I don't really have too much to say about the Donenfeld portion either, other than the background I gave earlier. The clip, it just smacks of arrogance for Donenfeld, who rarely gave Siegel and Schuster anything but grief as the years went on, to parade himself about with a character like this. I mean, I realize it's a gag, but it's it's a bit irksome, especially when he tells uh, Superman, I took you off a drawing board and made a man out of you. When, if you believe some of the stories, Donenfeld wasn't interested in the character at all until he became a hit. And then it was only because he was a hit. But still, it's a cute skit and fun hearing Donenfeld's voice. And it's always good hearing Bud Collier voice the character because he is... He is very much my favorite of these Superman voice actors. All in all, just a neat little artifact. A lot like those bubblegum cards I've talked about before, it represents a little piece of Superman's history that just usually gets overlooked when you're looking at the broader history of the character. My name is Steve Lacey, and I'm a podcaster. Randomizer hit my long boxes, and now I'm lost in my comic book collection. Help me. Help me. Listen, please, is there anybody out there who can hear me? I'm being controlled by an overbearing and fickle randomizer. I'm doing everything I can to review this book in the next 20 minutes. This is the 20-minute long box. The 20-Minute Long Box is the briefest and most random of comic book podcasts. Every two weeks, a completely random comic book from my collection is the subject of the show. Find me at the show's site, 20minutelongbox.libsyn.com, the show's blog at 20minutelongbox.wordpress.com, or search for 20-Minute Long Box on iTunes. Prepare yourself for random. I guess you weren't so tough after all, were you? Now it's time to send you to the next dimension. 291 original episodes. This can't be. It's still going up. 325 manga chapters. You act innocent, but you're deadly. Time to die! Dozens of characters, hundreds of enemies, and a whole lot of violence. That kind of violence is pointless! You see, Super Saiyans tend to be a bit violent. Oh, crap! Join hosts Donovan and Jesse. As they cover the arrival of the Saiyans, the journey to Namek, the battle with Frieza, the mystery of the androids, and the terror of Majin Buu. I lied when I said you could go, at least partially lied, for I will let you go to another dimension. The Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. Join the fight at dbznextdimension.lipson.com. See ya. Next episode, finally, for the first time since May, we will be returning to the Sunday newspaper strip for a look at the sixth storyline that we have been waiting for forever. And between you and me, I hope it's been worth the wait. Until then, please stop by the website at greatcrypton.com where you will find show notes, 
all back episodes of the show and other Superman and comic book related posts from time to time. At the site, you will also find the RSS feed and the iTunes link. If you subscribe via iTunes, please feel free to leave an iTunes review because it really does help folks find the show and know that it's worth listening to. Links to the show's Twitter feed and Facebook page can also be found at the site. Like the show on either site to get updates whenever I have a new episode or other show-related news or information. Once again, I want to thank Robert and Charlie Niemeyer for the feedback. If you have questions or comments or other feedback, you can send me a message via Facebook or Twitter. You can post a message on the website in response to one of the episode posts. Or you can email me at thrillingadventures at greatcrypton.com. Don't forget about the Superman homepage and the Superman Podcast Network. Updates are posted at both sites whenever there's a new episode, and there are tons of other Superman-related content in between. And last but not least, I invite you to check out my other podcast, Green Lantern's Light, which I co-host with J. David Weeder and Jeffrey Taylor. And you can find that at greenlanternslight.com. And there we have monthly discussions of the Bronze Age and post-crisis Green Lantern material. So please check it out. As always, Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. So thanks again for listening to The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, and I will talk to you later. Goodbye. Gentlemen, now look, Jimmy, before we start, what was that in person Fred Allen introduction? You know, brevity is all right in its place, but after all, you are not introducing a singer midget here. Oh, didn't like? Too bad. Now, Mr. Wallington, will you kindly stop sounding like a Scotch telegram for a minute? <laughs> what goes on with you? Fred, this is National Thrift Week. I'm merely being thrifty with your introduction and all my conversations. GB. GB? Goodbye. Well, I know what's wrong with that guy. He's still sore about that award he got last week. The radio voice most likely to bring back the phonograph. <laughs> Only two days ago, I paid to have a cavity in his molar filled so his commercials wouldn't have an echo, and this is the thanks I get. <laughs> National Thrift Week. Well, oh, hello, Kenny. Hi, F. Kenny. The initials are F.A. Yes, F. Uh, Kenny, don't tell me that you, too, are celebrating Thrift Week. Yes, F. Well, does this exhaust your conversation? Yes, F. 
TB. Well, before the whole program turns out to be a soliloquy, we'll take up the latest news of the week. Mr. Goodman, a fanfare, please. Well, thank you, Mr. Goodman, for that thrift week blast you just uh, released there. However, the Texaco News presents its highlights from the world of news. New York City, New York, the National Retail Dry Goods Association of America.